Take three. Today, Rinpoche continued his explanation of the final section of Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment, emphasizing the fact that the middle way consequence school views all things as having no intrinsic nature, and that is what differs them from the middle way autonomy school. <laughs> Jujash. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Chen Rezig Center. Um, today, once again, we're looking at Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. And if one were to divide all of Lord Buddha's teachings, one could do so by way of three categories, and that's what we see presented here. So the three categories is, are as follows. If one wishes to have rebirth in the higher realms, then the practice is going for refuge to the three jewels of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, engaging in ethical behavior which abandons the ten non-virtuous activities and acknowledgement of those any downfalls that one engages in. In dependence upon practicing these things, one is able to achieve rebirth in the higher realms of cyclic existence, in the gods and humans and so forth. So this category of teachings is called the teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity, and these teachings lead to higher realm rebirth. Uh, the next category of teachings are teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity. These teachings are for beings who wish to achieve a complete cessation of rebirth, wish to achieve nirvana. Um, this practitioner engages in the three highest higher trainings, the highest higher training in ethics, concentration, and wisdom. In dependence upon these three highest higher trainings, he or she is able to achieve nirvana. The next category of teachings are the teachings for beings of great capacity. These teachings are for practitioners who wish to achieve complete Buddhahood. And these teachings of complete Buddhahood, um, this practitioner engages in uh, all those practices mentioned and then couples them with the mind that aspires to enlightenment or the generation of bodhicitta and then practices the six perfections. So in dependence upon these practices, he or she is able to achieve Buddhahood. So this is how one summarizes is all of all of uh, Lord Buddha's teachings into three categories. Shemaloa <laughs> 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 
Tato, 
Maino, chez son os. Calais du nom. Maino, chez son os. Maino, chez son os. Okay, just give me one moment. I had my mind doing a few things. Okay, so we'll begin on page 165. Uh, right at the bottom of the text, you'll see um, one point made, le left made, to be made at the bottom, bottom of the page. There's only two sentences there or something. Uh, this refutation is made by way of the Bhagavan statement that consciousness is false and deceptive. So that's where we begin. Uh, the, the statement that... The statement that it... Just mark this here. Sorry, I'm doing... The statement that it is deceptive refutes it being non-deceptive, and this in turn refutes its validity because that which is non-deceptive is the definition of valid cognition. In once, what sense is it deceptive? As Chandrakirti puts it, it exists in one way but appears in another. This means that the five objects, forms, sounds, and so forth, are not established by way of their intrinsic character, but appear to the sensory consciousnesses as though they were. Therefore, those sensory consciousnesses are not valid with regard to the intrinsic character of their objects, because it's, it's unfindable. So the intrinsic nature doesn't exist, it's not findable, so there's no valid cognition in relation to it. Uh, in brief, what Chandrakirti intended in this passage is that the sensory consciousnesses are not valid with regard to the intrinsic character of the five objects because they are deceived in relation to the appearance of intrinsic character in the five objects. This is because those five objects are empty of intrinsic character, yet appear to have it. For example, it is like a consciousness that perceives two moons. On this point, existential essentialists claim that if form, sounds, and so forth did not exist intrinsically, that is, were not established by way of their own char intrinsic character, they would be non-things, devoid of all capacity to perform functions. They therefore assert that if the sensory consciousnesses are not valid perceptual cognitions of the intrinsic character of the five objects, then there can be no valid cognition of the five objects. If the sensory consciousnesses are valid cognitions of the five objects, then there will be valid cognitions of the intrinsic character of those objects. According to the Master Chandrakirti, if something were established by way of its intrinsic character or essence, it would be something true. Hence, a valid cognition that posited such a truly existent object would have to be valid regarding the object's intrinsic character. However, because the objects are false, the valid cognition that posits them does not have to be valid regarding their intrinsic character. For Chandrakirti's commentary on the 400 stanzas says. So here it's stating that having a valid cognition of these objects doesn't mean that you're then va having a valid cognition of the intrinsic nature of those objects because the intrinsic nature is non-existent. It's empty of existence. So a valid cognition of an object doesn't mean you're having a valid cognition of its essence or its intrinsic nature. 
Um, uh, hence, I'm going to reread this. According to the Master Chandrakirti, if something were established by way of intrinsic character or essence, it would be something true. Hence, a valid cognition that posited such a truly existent object would have to be valid regarding the object's intrinsic character. However, because the objects are false, the valid cognition that posits them does not have to be valid regarding their intrinsic character. For Chandrakirti's commentary on the 400 stanzas says, it is not reasonable that worldly perception should cancel perception of reality because worldly perception is valid only for the world and because the objects it observes have a false and deceptive quality. Therefore, since Chandrakirti is refuting logicians' position that sensory consciousnesses are valid regarding the intrinsic character of objects, he need not refute the position that they are simply valid cognitions. Uh, consequently, Chandrakirti is not giving a general refutation of the position that there are valid cognitions among conven uh, conventional consciousnesses. If he were, then it would not be reason it would not be reasonable for him to say, as the world sees it, a valid cognition is simply a non-deceptive consciousness, because he would have refuted the validity of every sort of conventional consciousness. Also, they would contradict Chandrakirti's clear words where he presents direct inferential scriptural ontological valid cognitions saying we therefore posit that the world knows objects with four valid cognitions chandrakirti refutes essentially existent valid cognition objects of comprehension he does not refute valid cognitions and objects of comprehension that are contingently posited dependent arisings that same text says uh, chandrakirti's clear words those are established through mutual dependence when valid cognitions exist then the, the, there are things that are objects of comprehension. When there are things that are objects of comprehension, there are valid cognitions. However, neither valid cognition nor objects of con comprehension exist essentially. So they don't have intrinsic existence. Existence. The valid cognition doesn't have intrinsic existence, uh, near, nor does the object that appears to have it. Have it. Shei Song So, Judun Shei Song So, Tama Tama Shei Song So, Tama Yet Shei Song So. Shei Song So, Denaro Rari Lasubi Shinagi. Shuna Lebi Naba Mena Maribi Lebi Wangi Wanshila Subal Wanshila Suba Na Raji Meji Raji Yubi Yudaba Nayu Tribin Tanyabi Tanyabi Shiji Malubala Tanyabi Shiji Malubala Tanyabishi Never maybe on be two naji Zoa Kaji didn't get to the didn't kneel 
So here uh, we're going to get into a section that starts to get into sense powers and so forth. I'm not sure what they say, they use the word for it. I have to look. But sense powers. And sense powers can be divided by the, the five physical or the six um, powers. You, um, so the sense powers, with, um, if we do five, just the physical sense powers, we have the eye um, consciousness. I mean, eye sense power, ear sense power, nose sense power, uh, tongue sense power, and tactile sense power. And then we have the additional um, mental sense power. Uh, if we make it the sixth um, from non-physical. Um, so we have these five powers, or sense powers, um, and that's uh, what we're going to get into, um, how those powers, um, powering conditions, also don't have this, the intrinsic nature. Um, that is because it's not findable. Okay. Let me just figure out where we are exactly. Shiko. Ramche Tanda Injike Lo the Gemma Gangusana Chiran Dets Dets Lo Son then a the Wombo Gate Son. The Chiran Sanlo Garibe. The Chan Lo Lorong Ombula Nuba Nabi Nana Yuba ne Judile. Tela Rarita Misila Subana Tandura Tandura Subala Suba Nana Ombu Ombula Nebi Chenana Yubayino Shesumba Taro Shesumba Taro Shiruna Yubane Tenile Timada Chuda Melota Pula suba, pula suba ne, jubi, tala suba nata, nyema, nyemi yuzi, yuda, yuda tuichabarje, nyema jubala suba, nane, ombala nebi, jenshiruna, yuba yede, tedagi, ombala nebi, sheba nana, yuba ta, Member Zuni Dan Chacha Dan Pinjula Subi Pinjula Suba Zimbi Junjuro Tejindo Mitsu Mitsu Kela Mitsu Kela Suba Rado Jayu Adan Pella Pella Suba Tajan Sheba Shao Eje Eje Neva Ijinaba Shiva 
Tubi, Jebe Tubi, Tensi, 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 Tar, Tensi, Tana, Nam, Eje, Sheba, Levi, Jusson, De, Malala, Soba, Malala, Soba, Ilevi, Ilevi, Junile, Junila, Nila, Soba, Nila, Soba, Eno, Tena, Maribi, Maribi, Nutanji, Une, Une, Chevatar, Tanedo, Tanedo, Memeje, Maribi, Levi, Nebane, De Nebi, Jur, Mazongo, Kete, Wambi, Sheba, Nabo, Sujo, Jenji, Neba, Meba, Tada, Tanedada, Tanedo, Matuna, Tadala, Tayu, Rangi, Seni, Seni, Tanedo, Yogula, Tayan, Lubin, De Jiba, Maino, Tena, Tuban, Dogula, Tena, Sheba, Tada, Zudala, Zuba, Tanedo, Nabarajuba, Sama, Matete, Tanedo, Zudala, Tuizer, Shiro, Sena, Juba, Jade, de la femelle d'engine, Zuzula, Tanya do Rangitinji, Tobangu, Yuba Jed, Jeba Yede, Saint-Ampe, Saint-Ampe, Kundala, Rangitini do, Tobi, Mo, Mabe, Rangitini, Mo, Ni, Maba, Duba, Duba, Gubana, Kundala, Dogi, non, Tabanigi, Tabanigi, Tabasine, Mouton Chabado, Dubi, Dradan, Lola Tanya Dorangi, Tanigi, Mouni, Mabandona, Jamangi, Mobola, Goban de Bajamangi, Mobola, Goba, Jamangi, Mobola, Goba Tabishero, Shekan, eh, Jamala Tanya do. Rangi Tsenyi Jitrube, Moi Jeba Selo. Tatayan, Tatayan, Rari, Raji, Nyangabi, Shiro Dramale, Shiro Dramale, Dere Kete, Zoshi Shawa Mayin La, Jeba Dan, Tsitu Jebi, Kuntabi Mwoni, Kayimba, Tenem, Tenem, Mento Shena Shena ne Mobola Goban Deba Inte Yela Juba Dan Tito Juba La Goban Debi Shiro Shesuni Tee Deshito Shenazi Tuyuji Dene Nenju Shuba Ta Nenju Shuba Ta Kuntabi Rangi Tenji Moni Meba Niji Moni Medo C'est Quand on a dit que les gens ont été en train de se faire, 
Kuban de bayimbe Muruwa Muruwa tönde şedada lü dübe şevala tane do seni ngoni medusi döna kundeso sombisero sala seni ngoni mecbi seni ne rangi seni da rajila Sezambe te meba te kunta kunta la deje jewan rang sini jewan te te yebe rajin rajin yo la mancha jewan le chewi jen le chewi jan le chewi moni mebe moni mebe eba sheja she deba ino Dodo gondre le jan se jen to shebe chwe tanje ngonyi meba gomba jendo sonba la fema kama la shele lene dode ngonyi meba sonje gomba tembe ome lan tanje dan trewa rabdo tembe shere ngebi itun ngebi itun kona yun doba doba yino Sheshwan Dude, Tabala, Quintabala, Dumala, you do do as on Tawa. Rajia, ten days, you change it, ten days, you change it, Rajila, Quintabayila. Sanjee, Sanjee, Juba ngonye, sonje, naja, sheba shene. Do gomba, do yu gomba sheba. Shao, do, do kan tenye, do kan tenye, kan yin, shedun jen, do kan tenye, kan yin, shedun. Tantan sonba an, to ne, tantan jen, she sonba, she, deba sonbe, do gonde do gonde je ngoni sonje na ja tandon do je basela ranlo je kunda ne yewala ranke sini je yebande yebala zebe yewala tanye do ranke sini je tobi raje meje bayino sezambe sezamba na je kunda kunda matuba jewa to yodu ni Tenyi ngonyi meba mendebe. Tenyi la rangi ngoyotubi. Tenyi itan rajin doba ne. Dodo gondi, dodo gondi la. Tu temba kan, temba, temba nan la. Tishir tenyi. Tuntamba, tuntamba, tuntamba doba ne la. Tumen sanji janji jan. Ne, lübün, davat rabat tane, 
Therefore, I believe I'm 167, correct? Therefore, if a sensory consciousness is unimpaired, that is, no eye disease or other internal or external cause of error is affecting it, then it is accurate in conventional terms. It is mistaken in terms of appearance because under the influence of ignorance, it apprehends its object as though it were intrinsically existent, which it is, is not. Yet this, not, this does not contradict its conventional accuracy. Chandrakirti's commentary on the middle way says, Also, perceivers of falsities are of two types, those with clear sensory faculties and those with impaired sensory faculties. A consciousness with an impaired sensory faculty is considered wrong in relation to a consciousness with a good sensory faculty. Those objects known by the world and apprehended with the six unimpaired sensory faculties are true to the world. The rest are posited as unreal for the world. Thus, conventional consciousnesses and their objects are of two types, accurate in relation to conventional consciousnesses and inaccurate in relation to conventional consciousnesses. With regard to internal conditions that impair the sensory faculties, Chandrakirti's explanation of the middle way commentary says, eye disease, jaundice, and so forth, as well as eating detura, and so forth are internal conditions that impair the sensory faculties. So when you look up what this says in the back, it says that it, there's two ideas. One is that it's a thorny apple, um, which doesn't make as much sense as the second idea, which is that it's a plant that grows in Nepal, which has a white flower that causes hallucinations at lower levels and at higher levels po it's poisoned. Well, that's what, why it causes hallucination is because it's poisoned. Um, but I guess their meaning can like really kill you, whereas uh, as all hallucinogens in that category of poison do. Um, so the point is, is that because you're impaired by a hallucinogen, your apprehension of the objects is incorrect, so you're not having a valid perception of the object. It's just likewise, when you see them as having intrinsic existence, it's impaired in that same way as if you had this r improper um, consciousness apprehending the object as being distorted because you're hallucinating. So it's both, both of those examples are incorrect in relation to the object of apprehension. And one is... Uh, intrinsic existence of an object and the other is the distortion of the object because of a hallucinogen or uh, the jaundice and so forth. So, um, 
that's that's what that means. With regard to external conditions that impair the sensory faculties, the same text says, external conditions that impair the sensory faculties include sesame oil, water mirrors, sounds spoken from within caves, and such, as well as sunlight at certain times and places. Even in the absence of internal conditions that impair sensory faculties that cause the apprehension of reflections, echoes in the water of a mirage, and so forth. You should understand that this is also the case with medicine, mantra, and such used by conjurers and so forth. As for what impairs the mentory sensory faculty, there are those just mentioned as well as incorrect tenets, etc., and false inference. Thus he says that bad tenets and false reasoning are conditions that degrade the mental consciousnesses. He says that conditions such as sleep also degrade the mental consciousnesses associated with dreams and so forth. Therefore, you should not consider the impairment of being affected by ignorance as a cause of impairment in this context. Even though the object apprehended by ignorance does not exist even conventionally, as will be explained below. Quam. If the sensory consciousnesses that are impaired by causes of error other than ignorance are non-mistaken conventionality, conventionally, then the intrinsic character that appears to them must exist conventionally. However, the Master Chandrakirti does not assert such. Therefore, we must assert that the sensory consciousnesses are mistaken. In that case, it is not feasible for those consciousnesses to be valid, cogni valid cognitions that posit things such as forms and sounds in conventional terms. Why? In conventional terms, they are mistaken with regard to forms. Reply, on this point, the Master Bhava Vega asserts that it is the nature of forms and such to exist conventionally by way of their uh, own intrinsic character. The Chittamantrans argue that imaginary constructs lead lack characteristic nature because it is not their nature to exist by way of intrinsic character. To refute them, Baba Vega investigates the agents and objects involved in the process of imaginary construction. He says that if they assert that the terms in the minds that construct entities and features lack intrinsic character conventionally, then they are inappropriately denying the existence of contingent entities. Therefore, it is clear that Baba Vega asserts that contingent entities entities have intrinsic character conventionally. A along the same lines, Baba Vega's lamp for Nagarjuna's fundamental treatise comments on the 25th chapter of Nagarjuna's text as follows. If you say that the very nature of a construct, the mental and verbal expression form, does not exist, then you are mistakenly denying things. For you are mistakenly denying mental and verbal expressions. In his explanation explanatory commentary on the lamp for the fundamental treatise on this the master Avalokitesh nope Avalokita Vrata says this statement by Bhava Vega indicates the following. As to the nature of the imaginary construct, the Yogacharans say that it has no nature inasmuch as it has no characteristic nature in the case of entities and attributes such as form. What is the nature that constructs mental expressions, conceptions and verbal expressions, i.e. conventions? If you say that there is no such nature because there are no characteristic nature, this is unsuitable since you would be inappropriately denying even conventional existence in things that are contingent. He says that if you assert that those contingent entities that are included among the imputing terms and minds lack characteristic nature, even conventionally, then it is inappropriate denial. Character in the phrase lack characteristic nature refers to the intrinsic character or intrinsic nature. Chittamantrans assert that imputations do not have such character, but that contingent entities do, and therefore exist intrinsically. 
Nonetheless, because contingent entities arise from other things, they have no self-produced nature, and hence Chinamantrans hold that they lack nature in this sense. The Buddha explained in this way in the Sutra Unraveling the Intended Meaning. He said that there was an ulterior meaning behind the statements in the Perfection of Wisdom Sutras which say that all phenomena lack nature. In this regard, the Master Kamala Shila said in the Illumination to the Middle Way, that's cool. Let me see where we are. I just want to make sure. I think we went on the sixth. By indicating the intended meanings of the three types of naturelessness, the sutra, the sutra unraveling the intended meaning, teaches the middle way free from the two extremes. Consequently, the system it sets up is strictly definitive. Kamalashila's argument is that the sutra unraveling the intended meaning teaches the meaning of the middle way by showing that the ultimate nature that is superimposed upon contingent entities is an imaginary construct and is thus non-existent, while also teaching that contingent entities have intrinsic character conventionally, thus avoiding an inappropriate negation. Hence, the Master Kamala Shila also asserts that objects have intrinsic character conventionally. So, let's uh, go... The Rinpoche, Kamala Shila, the Umaranjupa. Yes. So, um, and that's because Kamala Shila was not a holder of the um, Madhyamika uh, Prasangika view, the middle way consequence view. He was a middle way autonomy view, uh, the Madhyamika um, Svatantrika. So that was the view that he held. Um, so Chandrakirti's explanation of the middle way commentary says, and that's why it still says that they have still this little bit of grasping at things of having intrinsic character because they say conventionally they do. Um, not ultimately, but they say conventionally there's this intrinsicness. And as a note, that's why they say that it takes the objectsness, like carness, and the uh, perceiver to name it as car for it to come into being as a car. Whereas the consequence school says there's no ness over there. There's no car ness there. There's just a naming of parts that, that, that come together. So that, 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 that object doesn't have any um, essence, if you will. Whereas the autonomy school says, yes, it has an essence, but only conventionally. Prasangika says there's no essence anywhere, conventionally or ultimately. So just... You can read more into that with the tenants. They're very complicated, but um, that's really the kind of gist of it. Um, Chandrakirti's explanation of the middle way commentary says, for example, a snake is an imaginary construct when conceived in relation to a rope, but is perfectly real when conceived in relation to an actual snake. Similarly, a nature is an imaginary construct when conceived with regard to contingent entities which are dependently arisen fabrications. However, as the object of a Buddha, it is considered perfectly real. Understand the presenta presentation of the three natures in this way. Then explain that the sutra unraveling the intended me what the sutra unraveling the intended meaning means. He states this in the commentary on these lines from his commentary on the middle way. Any sutra that explains something that is not reality and sets forth the provisional should be understood as such and interpreted. Thus, it is obvious that he considers the sutra unraveling, unraveling the intended meaning, presentation of the three natures to be provisional in his own system. The imaginary 
refers to the intrinsic existence of the contingent. Hence, Chandrakirti does not assert that contingent entities have intrinsic character, intrinsic nature, even conventionally. The Chittamantrans, let me see, you know, she know. I think that's exactly where we are. I just want to make sure. Okay, just a little more, sorry. The Chittamantrans accept the non-existence of characteristic nature only for imaginaries, but do not assert that with regard to the contingent and the perfectly real. Thus they assert that these two have essential character, intrinsic nature. It appears that this assertion is based mainly on the sutra unraveling the intended meaning. Because of this, they assert that the contingent and the perfectly real exist ultimately. The masters, Buddha Palita and Chandrakirti, assert that if something were to exist by way of its intrinsic character, then it would have to be truly existent. Masters such as Baba Vega assert that this alone does not imply that something ultimately exists. Rinpoche, true Adan Lenja, the more. Maybe okay. Okay. So now we'll have a question and answer period. We'll mark that off 620. Uh, no, not for, for me in the Tibetan 621. Um, and we are... Furthermore, on 170. Let's see. Uh, yeah, we just need the microphone and all that stuff. So. Rinpoche, my question has to do with understanding um, the experience of um, uh, or realizing emptiness mm-hmm. and in, the, in relationship to realizing the mind of clear light or the nature of the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to know if those happen potentially simultaneously or if one helps the other. Um, my intuition is that when you experience emptiness or realize the emptiness of an object or of anything, that you are tapping into a certain realization of the nature of your own mind as well. Um, well and I wa- yeah. Okay, so I'd like to ask that question. Rinpoche, the the doni dopi shera dang sem uzir jawa irbe gangisene kongit sampa the 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 tonan lena then the toni ton toni ton then they the um. で、当、で、うせん、トン、チパ。チパでおまる。うせんとんれしば、しばとん、しばとんれする。とにすげんで、だじょそばの、とにとばいじ。ま、とと、ま、ま。で、で、コンギツンパイ、トニ、トニ、
de micba de chipa. Tony da. De semi uze. Kongi sampa de semi uze de tombani. Mari tombani lojemar. Lesser. Tombani dabare. So just a um, few things. The uh, mind of clear light, the realization of it, is a realization of a consciousness. Um, and um, emptiness is permanent, whereas consciousness is impermanent. So you would say, So those two are mutually exclusive. Um, so the, the mind of clear light and emptiness are mutually exclusive. The mind of clear light is empty, so you would realize the emptiness of the mind of clear light, but the mind of clear light is not emptiness. That is, that is not a statement you would say. Um, so the, what emptiness is, is the realization of the collection, the comings together of an object that then has this collection coming together that then serves as an appropriate basis of designation for being named as this or that. So it serves as a basis of designation or a platform to be named. So that, that part of any object is its emptiness, is the fact that it's dependent and that it comes into being through a collection, which that is what its emptiness. It's empty of being singular, empty of not being dependent. Um, it's void. Emptiness is a very loaded word that we use. And it really should be empty of, of, and then like dot, dot, dot. Because we're, we're saying that it's void of. It's, it's doesn't have this. You know, we could, that would be an accurate translation also. It doesn't have it. Empty. Doesn't have it. So that's really all emptiness is saying. That emptiness is saying that the I doesn't have any kind of intrinsic nature. doesn't have it. It's empty of it. Um, so that's what emptiness means. The mind of clear light is an actual consciousness itself, um, which is a very, very subtle. Then the sem uzer, the sem tramo. The sheda tramo. Then the sem uzer tona the ngushi go. Tingenzi go. Tingenzi go. So I asked if it was necessary to see the mind of clear light to have clairvoyance or to have um, um, no no um, hold on I asked if you you have the mind of uh, just give me one second I just have to I'm always thinking in two languages at the same time so all it takes is a glitch and I lose it all. Um, uh, uh, well, I'll come back to it. I'm sure I'll remember what it was. Um, but that's that's the difference. The mind of clear light. Uh, this is what Rimache said. Is a very very extremely subtle consciousness, um, but it doesn't require you to have clairvoyance, um, and it doesn't require um, uh, you to have seen emptiness or any of those those things in order to perceive it, because everyone at the time of death has a momentary, um, um, not realization of, but experience of the mind of clear light. Could I ask one more question? Sure. My question, my other question has to do with understanding um, what the meaning of omniscience is. Mm -hmm. um, I wondered if it was, omniscience means that you are perceiving all phenomena that 
of your from your own perspective or if you're perceiving all phenomena from all perspectives like all beings like and what they perceive as well or if you're perceiving phenomena from from all of existence that you you that your your mind and all of existence are one thing could you, could it's you ask all him? knowing. Your mind knows all of existence, so it's 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 can perceive anything it wants. That's the meaning of omniscience. It it just means that the Buddha's mind is no longer impeded in any way. The Buddha can know all phenomena. Um, so the, the reason um, it, this is going to be a tricky answer is because you're asking if the Buddha simultaneously experiences everything everyone experiences, and that's not the case. He knows what you're experiencing, but isn't simultaneously experiencing it that way, because we're experiencing it incorrectly, and the Buddha only perceives it correctly. Um, so the Buddha, the Rinpoche, the Namchen, the Dondagare, the Namchen, the Sanje, the Mekanga Sheba Yurube, the Sanje Ngatona Hakogudu, the Konton Hakogudu, this Sanje Sheba, the Namchen Yin, Yene 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 Sobo Lago, the Kongit Sampa, the Tanda Nga, the Zobo Ton, the Ducha Ton, then the Tanda Sanje Ducha Ton, Dang ドジャイヨナンドサンジェトンです。イネサンジェンアトナトン。トンです。イネディヒダデナクトンデンハドツイトンデンメチュトンサンジェガリトンサンジェディズトンデュツイトンデンソントンマレデサンジェイヨダシ
like I asked, like, is it like a milk and, and water becoming, you pour them together and they become this one substance? Um, and he said, no, it's nothing like that. It just means the Buddha no longer is impeded in knowing what anything is. And I said, so if a, and the Buddha always sees, Rinpoche said, things beautifully. The Buddha doesn't see bad things. The Buddha can understand that you have non-virtue, so you're seeing bad things, but the Buddha doesn't see bad things because the Buddha doesn't have suffering. Seeing something bad um, is, uh, in, a, in a subtle way, a form of suffering. Like not seeing something unpleasant, seeing something you don't want to see. So the Buddha doesn't see... I asked Rinpoche if a, there's a, an, a hungry ghost sees pus and a human sees water, and the God sees nectar, what does the Buddha see? And the Buddha, Rinpoche said the Buddha sees nectar. Um, but the Buddha knows that the hungry ghost sees pus and that the human sees water. But the Buddha sees nectar. So the, the Buddha only sees one. That's why it's a pure land. That's why it's only wonderful things that the Buddha sees because the Buddha has no causes for suffering. So the, the um, so that's all. I know it sounds weird because you think, well, the Buddha has to see suffering in order to have compassion, in order for him to help, but it's different. Um, when, I, when I say that suffering is, when, um, when I say that the Buddha can't see something that isn't pleasant, I mean like, um, like physical things, like the Buddha doesn't see ugly, the Buddha doesn't see dirty, the Buddha doesn't see, the Buddha only sees wonderful all the time. Is the realization uh, or, or experience... Hold on one second. Because everything that we see is guided by our karma. So everything that we see is jaded by our karma in some way. There's Buddhas in this room right now. We can't see because we have this problem with our karma. Um, so the, the, the Buddha doesn't have that any longer. So the Buddha um, only is able to experience things which are enjoyable because there's no longer any cause for something that's not enjoyable to be perceived. You can debate what's enjoyable to one isn't enjoyable to another, but it's like pus or nectar, you know what I mean? Go ahead. Um, Is the realization of the mind of clear light a prerequisite to become a Buddha? Does that mean you've become a Buddha when you realize that subtle consciousness? Well, realize, well, let's back it up. Um, Rinpoche said everybody experiences the mind of clear light. Right. So you, when you say realize, what do you mean? Um, you know what I'm saying? Like if, so no, because everybody's not a Buddha. Okay. So that just basically, just again, to become a Buddha, the three higher trainings of con- ethics, concentration, wisdom, realize, emptiness, you burn away all that karma, and then voila. That then you're a Buddha. It doesn't mean that you no longer have the ingredients for wrong view. Right. You no longer have the ingredients for suffering. Right. So then your experience is happy, basically. Yeah. But, so what's the clear light thing? Because I've heard that a lot. Yeah, it's just it's it. it's a really sexy term Westerners love. Yeah. And it's in tantra a lot. Yeah. Uh, so then that makes it even talked about more. And it's just a very, very subtle level of the mind that is the mind that's experienced at death. Oh, and and, th- and there's, there's a way uh, um, to harness that clear light mind and abide in it. Mm-hmm. 
and then realize because it's at such a subtle level now and this is why it's not really explained because it's an experience uh -huh. but it's at such a very subtle level if you're realized you can use that time when your mind is at that clear light level to become enlightened you can use it to you see the emptiness of it and then you can abide in its emptiness now that's something abiding in the emptiness of the clear light that is something but just clear light isn't something clear light is something everyone sees abiding in the emptiness of the clear light mm -hmm. is yeah. another story okay the Rimache, the sanjay guna the the tonlan solan the solan julan tonlan go the the rimbo the Sem uz utong gugdue. Use tongue. Yene the Garshene sem uze the nadang the mambo gate shegudu. Gangin sena the the inji mambo sem uze shera gabudu. The tree won mambo do. Gangin sena the natsu becha the na becha. The juke becha, the sem uze mambo geche shegudu, the natsu, the the sem u tomba shena, then the jupo sanje drogutudu. The nick don't the garshene remache. Gangisen and nga shera hakogamare, that's that's hakodu. Then sem uze garshene consul shera gabudu. Was this sanshin to trow? Trow the versetta. Shakalamata never said the words. Okay, so what it is and just a uh, just, how do I explain this in simple? Huh? Okay, so <clears throat> at the time of death, there is the ascension and descension of the energy drops that that meet at the the center here, um, and then there's mind of clear light, and then death, complete death. So the mind of clear light, and then the consciousness goes to the intermediate state. Um, so someone who is highly realized can harness that extremely subtle consciousness of clear light and utilize that stage just before death to experience things from a tantric perspective. So I asked Rinpoche, why is this expressed so much? Why is the mind of clear light talked about so much? And it's because it's a stage in the process of death and Tantra is always mirroring death stages. I mean, you look at most Tantras, they're mirroring in some way or shape or form the process of the dissolution of the elements and everything. So, um, so yeah, that's, it's able to be harnessed in some way, and it's very powerful um, if you're at a certain stage. In and I apologize for my ignorance because I don't know that much about it. I started studying a lot about it for about six to eight months on Highest Yoga Tantra, 
And I just realized I wasn't even a Buddhist yet, so it didn't really make sense. And I'd been studying like 10 years. So. No, I'm very new to the Buddhism. I'm just Thank you. exploring because I always had the love for the simpleness of Buddhism, mm. the kind love and you know, all those stuff, compassion. And also, I bow to the knowledge of uh, uh, the Guru, mm, I should say. Yes. Um, my question is, I know I try to concentrate today's lesson. What is the gist of that lesson? Okay, the Konsarpa, the interring the Becha. Um, and just to say one thing, this, this book is a... Um, three volumes in English, and it's a, a translation of this book. And we're in the very last section, which is the most difficult section in the book, and is considered, that's why Rinpoche is not stopping and giving a commentary and stopping and giving a commentary, um, which if you look on the past videos, you would see that, because it's the most complex material in Buddhism. So let me just say that to start, and I'll ask your question. But just know that everyone in the room found it very complicated. I find this very, very complicated material. I know the gist of it, um, and now we'll ask Rinpoche, but as far as understanding the words as they go, I, that's why I get lost so easily, um, because it's not second nature for me at all. It's very difficult. Rinpoche, the tearing, tearing shade of Kalikapudu, Kon nampa sarpa, kon nampi chu lobjung shade, then chikshina, the chulu gender drogore, tanda denden mindu? Yene nampi chu shade a gagadu, gangin sena, shamba dang ninji, nama anja gusun, then nampi chu, shamba gapudu, then ninji gapudu, then kongit sampa, then le labudu, den sunsang, chikshina ga nampa gapudu, den sunsang kon chenrezu chusu lesson. Yene tering kali kapudu. Then the the tearing the donda gare the du 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 she du du shena the tearing the sonchina gare donda gare du du shena tomani the person who is less so. Less so. The tearing, the tombani, the dendel, the the chiran, the shena, the dondagare. Then they just say the demo maruba. Okay. Now you know, Obunga, what is the zonswa? Less so. Um, so uh, this text itself um, is considered a all inclusive explanation of all of Lord Buddha's words. Um, so here behind me we have the Kangjur and the Tengjur. Uh, the Kangjur are the spoken words of Lord Buddha. There are a hundred texts that we have here. And the Tengjur, uh, there's 213 uh, authentic Indian commentaries by the Nalanda masters and so forth. Um, so to understand and be able to read all of these books would be very difficult because they're not only in another language than ours, um, not than Rinpoche's, but than ours, but they're written in a way that, unless you're a scholar, 
it's very difficult to read. But what Lama Tsongkhapa did for us is put it into um, an order that made sense. And it was really Lord Atisha um, that did it. Lord Atisha was in the, I think, 900s time, uh, and he wrote a book called The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment and summarized all of Lord Buddha's teachings into these three categories. And it was kind of a short poem, maybe 60 or I don't know how many stanzas. Um, so this book is a commentary on that summary that was just a poem. And that summary summarizes everything. Um, so Rinpoche started with that. So he said that the, the point of his work with this text is to be able to explain all of Lord Buddha's teachings um, in a way that people can understand. Um, so, and it is taught in an order of um, beginner to expert, um, and it also is almost, um, is written in that degree of difficulty. So the first volume, which is, um, you know, Rinpoche went over for years, he taught the first volume, um, is for the beginners. Um, and it's the teachings that are shared in common with beings of small capacity. So there's three categories, basically. Um, and then uh, the next category um, are the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity. So the book then takes you through that. And then the last category are called the teachings for beings of great capacity. So when we, Rinpoche started, he explained that those, there's these three goals. One goal is to have a good rebirth. The next goal is to have nirvana, but only for yourself. And then the best goal is to become a Buddha for everyone's sake, to be able to help all of them. Um, so the book is written in that way. So first tells you how to get a better life, then it tells you how to get nirvana for yourself, and then it teaches you how to become a Buddha. Um, and that section, which is on the teachings for beings of great capacity, is the most complex. That's the section that we're in. The section, so within that section, the most difficult part is the section we're in. So um, that being said, if I were to, I'm speaking Rinpoche, if I were to summarize what the meaning of today's lesson was, it's that all things that we experience, um, all the internal things, our consciousness, the powers that power our consciousness, and the objects that they apprehend, are all empty. What does empty mean? It means that they do not intrinsically exist by themselves. Why? Because they dependently originate. So all of the things, all of our consciousness dependently originates, all of the objects that we apprehend dependently originate, so therefore they are empty, empty of being intrinsically existent. They are merely just a collection that comes together and then can be appropriately named this or that. But there's not something that exists separately that is posited as a solid just that, that doesn't rely on other things. So the pith of today's lesson is about emptiness, that all things are empty. All things are not truly established because they all are dependent. Oh, that means the summary of a lay person like me telling that whatever you're seeing, whatever you're hearing, whatever you're doing, what, everything has no meaning. 
No. Um, it's, it's kind of that. Like uh, what you see is not, it's not real. It's empty. What you hear is not what it is. It's, it's, it's real, <laughs> but the way you think it is, is incorrect. This book exists. This is a book. Mm-hmm. But we're saying that it doesn't have an intrinsic nature of book. Because it needs paper, it needs a right. writer, uh-huh. it needs all of these things to come together and then be named book. Book. But yep. just like Jeff, my name's Jeff. Uh-huh. Um, I, this was a name my parents gave me. They named me Jeff because I was a boy. I came out and they said, oh, that's a boy. What's a good name for a boy? Jeff. There's a collection of parts that are suitable to be called Jeff, so we call him Jeff. So then I started to grow up. And I was told I was Jeff, so I started to grasp at Jeff as being this intrinsically existent thing. But it's merely just a name on a collection of parts. There's mm-hmm. no Jeff that's separate and that can be findable mm-hmm. beyond that collection. But okay. Jeff is sitting here, and that's the tricky part. That's the part of emptiness that you have to get because Buddha never said things don't exist. Buddha said they don't exist the way you think they exist. What you perceive. Exactly. That's exactly. what the existence you see. Exactly. So exactly. It, it doesn't mean... The water can be... Well, for example, just an example I'm saying. You call this book because you named it as a book. Right. But this could have been something else if you would have called something else it's true you could use this as a stand to put a picture on and now it's a stand okay i I got the essence the essence is what you perceive project your mind yes that's what it projects but actually it may not be completely true yes but it appears to be true Yes. Because that's what you called. Yes, and you grasp at it. And one example that makes easy for me, for instance, a brand new, say, let's say, a Chevrolet, I would think is a very, very nice car. But somebody who's rich would think it's a piece of junk. It's neither. It can't be. It's just a collection of parts that we're saying is this or that. And someone could push it over a coconut and break a coconut, and now it's a coconut crusher for them. What is it? None of that. It's a collection of parts that suitably can be named as this or that. And, and usually the suitability is in worldly cognition. What do we all agree this is called? Like when you study valid cognition, if the world says we call that that, then that's suitable to be called that. And then there's a debate. What when you call you? What if you name your dog a lion? Is your dog suitable to be lion? It's not a lion. Anyway, think about it. <laughs> like my dog's names are uh, Goddess and Protector and Milarepa, Medicine Buddha. So, who knows? Maybe they are. Um. Just if I understand um, correctly, the, on the Prasangaka Madhyamaka view, um, 
their sort of characters don't exist even um, conventionally, and that sort of distinguishes it from other tenant systems. Yeah, the, the middle way autonomy school believes mm-hmm. that there is an intrinsic existence conventionally of items, and that's why you can call them things. Like the there's a the, that collection of parts had like that we call a car mm-hmm. has some conventional carness to it. And makes it so it's suitable. It's it, it it um makes it so the person who's about to name it can call it a car. Well, how, how then do the prasangikas explain the ability, you know, for like kind of the shared ability to name things Worldly correctly or incorrectly, and stuff okay. like that? It's the the use, how it can be used. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like more of like um, just a name, a naming it based on what would be a good name for it. And not saying that it has that nest to it, because we go back to naming it a coconut crusher or a car. Mm -hmm. It can't have car nests, because then it couldn't be a coconut crusher. So even, I mean, when there's a discussion of like... It's very subtle. I'm not trying to be like, ha, ha, ha. This is a very subtle point. Remche, the Ranjupa Dangtenjor, Dawa, the... Shera tramo, gang the the chapa garre, that's tramo do. Gang insina the ranjupa, sampa the the gunzo, the ransen gunzo pi. Ranjupa sene the ngasa yoro, ngasa kene the kumanga tubala tu ne rangu ene rudiwaras rangu. Tanju yu kumanga tubala tu ne tazang. So the the autonomists still assert that there is a an intrinsic nature wrong um, an established intrinsic nature that is combined with the nominal designation whereas the prisangika states there's just this name the the umaranjupa the daken dang wrong adrupa nichagu Tanjor Dakan Konagu Dakan Damipa. You know, the da da the Mingi Dakan the Mingi Kona. Okay, so the the middle way consequence school says it's merely a nominal designation on a collection of parts suitable to be named this or that. The the autonomy school says that there is a um, a name that's given, but there's a dependence between the two. There's an interdependence going on between the namer and naming something that has what you're naming its nest to it. So it's saying that the namer and the thing have to to bring it into being. So the autonomy school is saying that in a in that. There is an intrinsic nature of car in that car of some sort um, that, in a conventional sense, when you go to name it, allows you to name it that. 
seems like when you say subtle, like a sorry, not subtle, uh, suitable, that's almost like yeah, intrinsic nature and suitable is different. Yeah, intrinsic nature and suitable is different. Think about it. Say, think about those two words right now, and not about what we're talking about. Suitable could be or intrinsic nature. Yeah. Intrinsic nature makes it so solid and immovable that it has to be this or that. You good? I'm good. Okay. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. Then, the Mota Mota Ming Da. Nay, Segdu Gangasin and Natsukanga, the Segdu de Mota Yen. Then, the Dixon Mota Ming Da. I was just telling him what I said in case he was like, that's stupid. Let me teach it right. Yes. Hi. <laughs> I'm, joking. Um, I'm just going, elaborating on on what, um, I'm sorry, I don't know your name, what um, this gentleman said. Um, the group that believes that there's an, something to the car. You know, yes. So do they believe that that existed prior to the car coming together or after the car comes together? Um, I think conventionally it's after because it's in a conventional sense. Okay. The Ranjupa Tsampa, the the Mota, the Mota Ngama, Mota Yomare, the Jak, Dang Mota Zuken, Dang the the Ranjupa Tsampa Mota Irebe, the Kanga Nyamdu. The round the drupa mota ire. Gangisuna the ngama the jak tan the mota zuken. Jak nanga mota round drupa irebe? Yomare. 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 Gang nyamdu gue. Mota zusadu mota Okay, so it, it required. I asked him if there, the piece of metal that started when they were building the car has carness in it, according to the autonomy school, and he said no. He said that uh, there's carness once the collection comes together, um, but it isn't before, according to the autonomy. And this is a wrong view. There's no carness, but but according to the autonomy school, there it doesn't start having it that um, it's intrinsic establishment is what Rinpoche keeps saying. Intrinsic establishment. It doesn't have intrinsic establishment until it's together as a car, according to. Ranjupa, middle way autonomy. John Chempa, Shilopa. Okay, John Chen, Yanjar Garkelan? A Jock Nangla. Lesso. Lesso, Lesso. Okay. Lesso. So it might be, though, that that view. Um, that we were seeing it would be the Samkhya school of uh, um, they're called the enumerators in the Hindu ancient Hindu tradition and they believe that every cause has within it the effect already so for instance they believe the seed already has the sprout and flower within it subtly um, so they might believe that the iron already has a part of carness to it so that's uh, the Sampya school is negated um, in the tenet. And when, when you study tenet systems, it's one of the ancient Indian schools that is studied. And actually, the enumerators or Sampya school 
is um, one of the main yoga philosophies. When you study yoga, the Samkhya school is what a lot of the basis of yoga is, philosophy is. Um, Rinpoche, my question now that's arising when we're talking about dependent arising is to to be able to formulate an appropriate concept of dependent arising. Um, I can understand it in two ways. One is uh, in terms of having dependence upon physical conditions, which has already been speak, spoken about. But um, in terms of like experiencing my own feelings and thoughts, uh, particularly subjective you know, conditions, um, it's it's conducive, or it's it seems to be conducive to think of those as being um, kind of um, subjectively dependent, or like sub- subject subjectively reliant. And so that to me that that kind of evokes this this feeling of like being of the nature of love, because love has a, a sense of dependence to it. Mm-hmm. Love is always dependent and mutual interdependent, co-arising kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, is it appropriate to apply, maybe in conjunction with thinking about, a, you know, physical dependence or physical reliance, uh, a sense of almost like a a, a mental reliance, um, which could be potentially love uh, or 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 hate. Well, but it wouldn't be hate because hate is based upon separation. It's based upon difference and and non uh, codependence. Uh, whereas no, I believe hate is codependent. Hate requires the, the dependence of the subject, and hate is it, it depends upon things just as much as love depends upon things. But I, I guess what I mean is that, like, to me, it seems that love is the the kind of natural outcome of correct view. Uh, two separate subjects. Yeah. Yeah. Two completely different subjects. Correct view and love can never get you to. It's in right in the text. Yeah. That you can study bodhicitta and compassion and love for an eternity, and you still will not get at the root of your troubles, which is the grasping at things as being truly established. So, without getting rid of that, there's no way. Uh, you can. There's no way to get rid of that with love and compassion because it's not the antidote of it. it right. The antidote is correct view. So, But my understanding would be that, that when you do actually have the actual realization that's required mm-hmm. um, of, of realizing things as having lacking of, of a, a true establishment, mm-hmm. um, I feel like in my practice, I feel like it's kind of like a, a natural um, outcome of that realization of things not being truly established, of the, the, the outcome of letting go is, is a feeling that is akin to love or akin to uh, positive states of mind. Um, so, and you wish that beings have happiness. Yeah, well... And the causes of happiness. Because that's all love. In Buddhism, love is defined as the wish that beings have happiness and the causes of happiness, period. It's not a sensation. It's so, not... It's only this thought that you want beings to have happiness and the causes of happiness. So if, because I've got to got to get to a question for Rinpoche, because he's just okay. sitting here hearing words. Okay. Um, so if, um, so... Um, so maybe the, the appropriate question is, um, yeah. it, in the realization of emptiness or yes. the realization of lack of inherent existence, is there also simultaneously an, a, an associative state that it is experiences positive states of mind like love or bliss. Bliss, yes. Love, no. Okay. Uh, Rimache, the the that. Do you mean when you see emptiness directly, 
Or uh, you mean when you're just playing with emptiness in, in analytical meditation? Uh, well, because seeing it directly means you're an aria, and there's like one every million years or something. Yeah. I guess what I mean more is just like the the letting go that that is in the training of 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 realizing emptiness the letting letting go, go of the of of true establishment okay. so like grasping okay the the doni dopi shira the gonjana the dewa chembo yongdo dewa yongdo the the toni gonja tsar dewa chembo yongdo Nandrulan. No. Guy, the Tonlan Lena? Tonlan? Tonlan Legomar, Lamajone, Tony to Gero. Tony to Tony to sell Tuba in a load of yours. So, yes, there is, though, a statement that the, an, a bliss for those meditators who can um, dwell in emptiness or abide in emptiness, there is a bliss that occurs but it's just a hap it's a happiness it's not a it's not it doesn't have a motivation okay. you know what i mean it doesn't have a purpose it, it's just a feeling but it's a feeling that gives a lot of power because now you have that bliss and you you have a lot of power you know what i mean so and a lot of more motivation and more encouragement and so forth within your own internal being being all right, are we good? One more and then that's it. It's great, everybody has a lot of questions. Um, in understanding uh, emptiness, uh, as we come into being, there's the sperm and the egg and they combine, but they're made up of chromosomes. These are the dependent, this is the dependent origination of, of us. Yeah, our consciousness but, depends on those chromosomes and so forth to yeah. come together to then go from the intermediate state into that union. Okay. Then at that point, where is emptiness? Every, uh, everything's empty. But so it is in, it is, Within though that con that d dependent origination and also outside of it, everything is empty. The seed is empty. The sperm is empty. The egg is empty. The consciousness that comes from the intermediate state is empty. The intermediate state is empty. Everything is empty. The being that will become is empty. The being that was before is empty. The being that it doesn't become is empty. Everything is empty. Okay. Meaning that it doesn't have true intrinsic existence. I don't because I relied on the chrome the sperm and the right. egg and the intermediate state and the, the virtue and non virtue I created, the karma I created to make a human. All of that. So I see myself as this singular Jeff, but it's really like, well this you know, a million lifetimes ago. Someone was nice, you know what I mean, was generous and was ethical. So I got a human body and I don't live in poverty. 
but I think it's because I'm Jeff, but it was because a million lifetimes ago, somebody was generous. It, who, so my consciousness was generous, but it wasn't Jeff, you know what I mean? And that's okay. what the emptiness is of it, meaning that there is no inherent existence. There isn't this singular Jeff that, that can be, is findable without tracing all of these collections together. Just like that sperm requires all of the collections. The egg requires collection in order for it to be produced. And in order for its causes to be produced, it requires a collection. Okay. Thank you. That makes sense? Emptiness yep. isn't this place. It's not a... Re it's not... Its realization isn't a state. Its realization is an understanding of a fact and dwelling in a fact. That's it. Dwelling in a fact that you usually don't dwell in. That's all. If that makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. But let's, because I just want to get it, you know, we're almost into two hours now. So for Rinpoche, it's hard for him to sit there after. Okay. Um, in this tradition, there are a lot of mandalas. Are they, could they help all of us understand emptiness? Okay. Um, the Jinkor, Dana, Tombani, Le, Lenja, Yomari, Rinpoche. The Jinkor, Dana, the Tombani, Le Labo Tondue, Le Labo Tong, not to the Jinkor, Da, the Tom, Doni Dupishera, Le Labo Tong. So just looking at a mandala won't be of any benefit in terms of our wisdom, but looking at a mandala and looking at it and saying, oh, this mandala dependently originated, and this mandala required many parts coming together that I'm now naming as mandala, if you're doing that while you're looking at it, then that will serve as your um, aid to understanding emptiness. Um, but it's only view, it's only wisdom that serves to help you understand emptiness. There is no external object or any kind of um, shortcut or magic that will allow us to perceive it quicker. It requires, a because of cause and effect, Rinpoche said, you have to have the cause for the result. In order to understand emptiness, you have to have the wisdom that is accumulated through analysis to get the result of understanding it. Last question, yeah. So you, you were explaining about the emptiness and gave an example of yourself of how you became a Jeff from X and Y and then the chromosome formation and then the human being. And it is generous like it, it, you created from the emptiness by chance or from your karma, right? And Created by our karma, yeah. but not by em emptiness doesn't create. Emptiness is just a fact. Things are empty. Emptiness doesn't create, doesn't do. Emptiness is permanent. It's a permanent phenomena. It's not something that does and works. It doesn't change anything. It's just a fact of the way everything is. So because of your karmic yeah. and you became the human being. Yes. Right? 
The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All powerful Avogateshvara, Tenzin Jatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandak. 
upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, the spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Suji Rumshi Gutsi Shapi Denonang, Matsu Lamrin Chemo Kanga Chirilang, Uma Jupa Kanga Chirilang, Sawashira Kanga Chirilang.